this is Tommy Franks. Welcome to the Four Star Leadership Podcast, a product of the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum. We're here to get a view into the lives of the legacy makers, the movers, and the shakers of today to offer insights from the full spectrum of the leadership community. We'll talk to former four-star students and explore their leadership development path. We'll work to find out what they are about today and learn from the opportunities they've made for themselves in this world. It's my distinct pleasure to welcome you to this podcast. Remember, leaders are not born, they're developed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Core Principles of Leadership with General Tommy Franks. I am your host, Delise Travis, and we are on episode number 14 with our special guest, Bill White, chairman and CEO of the Constellation Group located in Atlanta, New York, and D.C. We will be talking about the networking opportunities afforded him as a result of growing up in his family business and how those relationships catapulted his career to a national level by a prompt to think bigger. But before we get into our program, we will have a word from our major sponsor, REI Oklahoma. REI Oklahoma is proud to be a part of the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute in the production and distribution of these podcasts designed to inspire leaders and difference makers. At REI Oklahoma, we have been working with small business leaders, entrepreneurs, and people who are driven to succeed for years. Highly motivated people working to own their own businesses, live in their own homes, and make the world a better place. Since its beginning, REI Oklahoma has continued to identify hurdles and deliver holistic solutions to create job growth and help neighborhoods thrive in both rural and urban communities. REI Oklahoma looks forward to visiting with you about helping your business and community grow. Visit reiok.org or call 800-658-2823 to start the conversation. And now a little about Bill White. Bill has dedicated his career to honoring, advocating, and supporting our nation's military personnel, veterans, and their families. He served as president and CEO of the Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum, the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund, and the Intrepid Relief Fund managing all operations, management, strategic planning, and branding for the Intrepid Foundations. He served as founding trustee of the Fisher House Foundation, which builds comfort homes for patient families at military and veterans hospitals. Bill served as founding member on the boards of the News Corporation Global Diversity Council Advisory Board, the Catholic Medical Missions Board, the Fisher Alzheimer's Disease and Research Foundation at Rockefeller University, and Intrepid Relief Fund. He has visited the troops in Iraq and Afghanistan and helped lead his first major entertainer's visit to troops fighting in Iraq, featuring Robert De Niro, Kid Rock, and Wayne Newton. Bill organized a Christmas visit to Afghanistan with Mark Wahlberg for the troops to preview his critically acclaimed movie, The Fighter. In 2009, White was offered the opportunity to serve in administration by Defense Secretary Robert Gates as the Pentagon's first Deputy Chief Management Officer. 
1991, Bill established Operation Support, a volunteer charitable organization for the families of military personnel killed in the Persian Gulf War. He co-authored the book Intrepid, the epic story of America's most legendary warship with Bob Gant, and donated all proceeds to charities supporting our veterans. Bill has raised more than $3 billion for private equity, real estate, and hedge funds, including the City Investment Fund, Guggenheim Advisors, Grove International Investors, and Palladium Partners, and other U.S. corporations. Bill founded Constellations Group, now headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. The Constellations Group is a well-positioned and respected strategic advisory and consulting firm with clients that include top Fortune 100, 500 CEOs, and entities. Renowned high net worth individuals, large family offices, and international private equity groups. He is twice the recipient of the Meritorious Public Service Award for Extraordinary Service from the U.S. Coast Guard and for outstanding support from the U.S. Navy. Bill was honored by the Life Saving Benevolent Association for placing himself at risk to rescue an individual drowning in the Hudson River. With titles, certifications, and awards too numerous to name, and fundraising efforts in the several billions of dollars for great and noble causes, Bill and his life partner, Brian Urey, reside in the great state of Georgia. Good morning, Bill White. We're with you today and so excited to have you on our podcast. And we've just uh, read through your bio and kind of introduced who you are and what you're about. But I would like to um, first say good morning and then also kind of visit about where you started out life. So good morning, Bill. Good morning, Glee. nice to talk to you. And it's just a pleasure to be part of anything that has to do with General Tommy Franks. Uh, nobody can see this, but I'm holding up my... American Soldier, which is a book that he wrote right at the end of his amazing career in the military. And the inscription that he wrote inside sticks with me today. So it's just a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, congratulations on the great work you're doing with the podcast and the leadership program and the scholarships and the museum. Um, so uh, interesting, when, uh, when when I grew up in a small town in Long Island, <clears throat> I won't go back to uh, growing up in a manger, um, I won't take you back that far, but I was <clears throat> adopted by my lovely parents about four days before I was born um, to two loving, amazing parents in a small town called Point Lookout, which is on the south shore of Long Island. Um, I went to a school, uh, all boys Catholic high school called Chaminade High School in Mineola. Uh, some interesting people, Bill O'Reilly and uh, other folks have uh, graduated from that high school, went to Fordham University in the Bronx in New York, and then I went to the French Culinary Institute in uh, Manhattan so I could cook you a beautiful uh, chicken parmesan or a, or a specialty dish that you'd like out in Oklahoma anytime you'd like. Uh, and I went into the family business, really, which was the real estate and restaurant business that my father and his brother were in in New York City. Very tough business. Uh, their restaurant are still open in New York 54 years later. I was a uh, busboy, cleaned the toilets, uh, waited on tables, um, and met some of the most interesting, fascinating, extraordinary people uh, that a young boy could ever meet in the world. These were 
people who built up New York City and were part of the fabric of uh, the Upper East Side in New York, which is really the single most important zip code in New York. It's the top business people. It's the top political people. It's the top cultural folks in New York. And it was a great experience for a young kid who grew up on Long Island. Um, I didn't have brothers and sisters, so I wasn't fighting with anybody uh, uh, for food or clothing or other things or the front seat in the car. Uh, but I had a great, great upbringing and a great set of parents and a great childhood. What was the name of those restaurants in case anyone's in the area and is just curious? <laughs> You're so sweet. Uh, we're going to have to send you a cut of the uh, referral business. Um, the Beach Cafe is up on the Upper East Side. It's a great hamburger joint. Uh, it was one of the most happening places. I go around the world. You know, I've been in Italy. I've been in. I've been in all kinds of great places, and I'll say, my family's in the restaurant business. I'll say, what, what's the name of the restaurants? Just like you did, Elise. And I said, the Giraffe is the more famous one. It was a four-star New York Times restaurant, and I used to see John Lennon and Yoko Ono and Aristotle Onassis, the great shipping magnate who uh, Jackie O um, later married. And they were regular customers there. And I was a little kid, and I used to go up and say hello to John Lennon and Yoko Ono. And John had a little funny deal with my dad. Um, he said, my wife is going to send back everything. She'll send back uh, too salty, too much sauce, not enough mayo. I need a lemon. And uh, he would laugh telling me this story. And I said, well, that's not funny. He said, no, no, Mr. Lennon was terrific. He said, Mr. White. You just charge me for as many dishes as she orders. Whatever she sends back is fine. I just want to make her happy. And that was a lesson for me, you know, about the customer service relationship. It's it's carried on today that customer is the most important thing. Don't let on to them that you're, you know, maybe upset with them having a bad day. Just take care of them and they'll come back again and again. And that was that was a philosophy that my father imparted on me, which I think has helped me today in my business career? Absolutely. I know when I was a, a youngster and, and teenager, I worked in the restaurant business and um, people are never more uh, tempted to be um, on their worst behavior than when they're hungry. And also um, it's a great opportunity to learn how to do uh, a lot of things at one time and keep them all in your head and, and keep things going. So it's, it's a wonderful training ground and what a wonderful networking opportunity that was for you to uh, learn how to interact with people on that level and to, to understand because uh, customer service is follows us in everything that we do. Absolutely everything. Yeah. I think one of, one of the yeah. things that is interesting and it's part of public service, you know, I've studied a lot of how different countries do national service. In Israel, you know, you can be uh, teaching, you have to go into the military, you can be a nurse. There's all different varieties that in France, you can be a fireman for your national service. I think part of national service in America would be great if every young kid could be a busboy or a waiter. Um, dishwashing is fine, but busboy or waiter really puts you in an interactive mode with a human being and with our iPhones today and everything. We've lost touch with really how to talk to people. Uh, how to integrate better in society and have good social, you know, graces, you know, saying 
thank you, saying please, all that. It, you're right. It's a very good training ground to help people have a better relationship with human beings as they go through life. And that explains to me in your bio about the culinary degree. And I thought, well, how did that fit in with everything else? So now I understand. So what motivated you to move on? Where did you go for higher education? How did you decide that? And um, what motivated you to do that? Well, it was interesting. I actually had no motivation to do it. I didn't want to do it. But my father made buy my shares out of this restaurant. I'm not going to give you uh, this restaurant. You're going to have to work your butt off to uh, learn the business. So he sent me to bartender school. He sent me to chef school. Uh, I worked in every single position in the restaurant. And, and I never really understood why he wanted me to do that. I love the idea. I can cook a great meal now for my family. I could open up a restaurant today, and I, I think I'd give it a good shot at being successful. But he he was worried that if I was just a bartender or a manager, that I wouldn't understand the back of the house. And the kitchen is an essential part. That's where you lose a lot of money on overhead with food costs and, and food preparation costs and the staff back there. Things are hot in the kitchen. So he said, you have to learn that. And I'll tell you, it was really great, Delise, because one night we had a we had a cook in the restaurant who was disrespectful to a waitress, and he uh, said something to her in the heat of the moment, no pun intended. She locked herself in the bathroom in the middle of the busiest night we've ever had in the restaurant with all of her checks and her apron. And we were banging on the door to please come out. And she said, no, not until he apologizes for what he said. So I went back there and asked him to apologize to this lovely water head chef. And I realized I needed to take my suit jacket off and go behind the stove and start cooking for the entire restaurant. And because of that experience uh, that my dad had sent me to chef school, I was able, I didn't do a great job. I promise you. I think some people probably got medium well versus medium rare. But I was able to put out 150 dinners, um, and I got rid of a problem that that uh, you know was 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 important. Now, in the other instance, if I didn't know how to do that, I'd have a chef who really runs my restaurant. And uh, my father said that's not the way it's supposed to work. He works for you. He works for our family. He disrespected that waitress. He made a good decision, and it stuck with me too in life. You know. Uh, the team is more important than the individual, and um, we can't have people talking to people like that and in a uh, customer service business. So it was a great lesson in life. Um, but I do have some pretty good dishes I can make you at, uh, at a moment's notice. Well, that's wonderful, and I, I think that that is a great example of jumping in and doing um, what needed to be done to, to make it happen for the end result. And like you said, the team is more important than the individual. And that's one of our, of course, as you know, one of our core principles of leadership in um, common vision. Um, share with me, did you, what motivated you to move past the restaurant business and into, you have a tremendous amount of fundraising in your resume and, um, you were president and CEO of the Intrepid Sea and Air Space Museum. But what what motivated you to move past the restaurant um, industry into the things that you, the fundraising and, and all the projects that are just unbelievable that you've done? Oh, you're so sweet to say all that. I always say the first three letters in fundraising is F-U-N, and that's fun. 
right? So if you are doing something that's fun, you can raise a ton of money and a ton of support and people feel your passion. And I think that was a lesson I, I later picked up. But what happened was I was 22 years old working as a manager in the restaurant. And, um, you know, I didn't go to, uh, raise my right hand to serve in the military. Uh, our military was all volunteer as it is today. And we were right at the uh, middle toward the end of Desert Storm and Desert Shield. And I was reading about how these 267 men and women left behind uh, that were killed in both of those operations. And no one was talking about them. It was parades and yellow ribbons and victory and George Bush and Schwarzkopf and Powell. And we pushed Saddam Hussein back. This was round one of that experience. Tommy Frakes can tell you about round two. But round one was very different. Uh, politically and kind of spiritually, but no one was talking about the troops that were killed. And uh, I was doing some research and I found out that the loved one or surviving spouse of a killed in action service member got a check for $6,000, half of which was taxable. And I thought, gosh, you can't even pay for a funeral with $3,000. And then I researched other countries and you would do better in Costa Rica if you were killed in the line of duty for your country than you did in the United States. And I thought that was a disgrace. I really did. I didn't know what to do about it. And I talked to my friend, Timmy O'Neill, who I went to Chaminade High School with, and he said, uh, let's do something. So we formed a 501c3 called Operation Support. We connected with the USO and we had some other great contacts from my experiences at the restaurant, you know, the folks I mentioned, they were the chairman of Tiffany and Company, Bill Cheney, who was a paratrooper in Korea. There was uh, Mr. Shearson from Shearson Lehman American Express. He used to eat there every night. Uh, I even talked to John Gotti's lawyer, uh, the mafioso, who had a great lawyer who ate in my dad's restaurant, Bruce Cutler, and he had some great ideas. And then we connected with the two-star general who uh, Tommy Franks knows, uh, Matt Caulfield. He was a Chaminade graduate. And he said, hey, you need to do this. So we started this 501c3. We uh, went and met with John Cardinal O'Connor, who was the Archbishop of New York. Uh, Cardinal O'Connor happened to be a combat chaplain in Vietnam. And he also became the chief of Navy chaplains. He was a two-star admiral. And the Archbishop of New York, uh, his eminence, John Cardinal O'Connor, and he told me, he said, you should do something big. Uh, I said, what do you mean? He said, maybe you should book the, the ballroom of the Waldorf Astoria. Let's have a big fundraiser to raise as much money as we can. And then he put me in touch with uh, Ross Perot. Uh, and then he put me in touch with a man by the name of Zachary Fisher. And Ross Perot was very nice. He sent me a check for $500. Uh, and uh, Zachary Fisher, who happened to be the man I ended up working for for, you know, almost 20 years, said to me, I'll help you. I'll get people to the dinner. And we went across the street to the Waldorf Astoria and we walked in and tried to book the ballroom. And they said, who are you? You're 22. I said, well, what does it matter? We're helping the troops. And they said, sorry, you need to be a a going concern. You have to be a big entity to rent the ballroom of the Waldorf. And this really um, upset me and my friend 
Timmy, I said, well, what would we need to, to book the ballroom? They said, you have $50,000. We left the meeting. Timmy and I walked across the street to our respective uh, bank for our own money, and we booked the ballroom of the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. It's the most amazing place to have a party in New York. It's where all the big events happen. And this guy, who I still talk to today, uh, Jim Blauvelt, says, I'll never forget it. I, we walked in with a bag of cash, and we and we booked the grand ballroom. We ended up having a dinner for a 1,000 people, and we had some great folks, Secretary of the Navy, Secretary of the Army. We had uh ambassador from Kuwait who gave us uh, a ton of money to help support our troops who had been killed saving Kuwait. And Mr. Fisher came to that dinner, Delise, and that was an amazing thing for me because I watched how the military loved him and respected him. He's the guy that put up $50 million of his own money to save the Intrepid, uh, this great aircraft carrier, historic aircraft carrier, and brought it to New York and turned it into a museum to honor our, our veterans. And just kind of wrap up how we got there is this all went pretty quick. He called me the next day and said, you need to come work for me. I said, I'm sorry, I'm working for my my pops in our family restaurant. And it was nice meeting you and thank you for everything. And he would not take no for an answer. So my father ends up calling me a few hours later and says, you need to go see Mr. Fisher. I said, excuse me? He says, yeah, he called me. So this guy called my father, who he knew I was working for, and got me to go meet with him, which I didn't want to do. <laughs> so he was very persistent. And I went up to this uh, extraordinary human being's office. He had the biggest office I've ever seen in my life, uh, Park Avenue and 48th Street, right in Midtown Manhattan, in a building that he built with his own bare hands. You know, he was a bricklayer. He never finished high school. And he died a multi-billionaire. Uh, an amazing story. And he said, listen, you're going to start working for me <laughs> to help me raise money for our veterans. And I said, I'm, I'm not doing that. You know, he says, I talked to your dad. It's already taken care of. So that was an amazing journey that began on that day. I'll never forget with, um, Zachary Fisher, who was our nation's greatest military philanthropist that has ever lived. He's the, he's the man who created Fisher Houses, the intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund, who gave maybe three or four hundred million dollars of his own money away. No one knows who he is, the least, right? We know, but the people listening, nobody really knows who Zachary Fisher is. And that's the way he wanted it. It was so special to work for a man who did not want to be thanked, did not look for publicity, and just wanted to say thank you to the troops for giving him his freedom. That is a wonderful story. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I am so interested that your dad saw a, a bigger picture and encouraged you to go on and do something beyond the restaurant business so did he have people, uh, did he have family members that carried on the restaurant business since it's still open today? Yeah, it's very interesting. So one of the managers who was there, his name is Dave Goodside. He uh, bought the restaurant 
uh, from my family and still runs it today. My cousin, Tommy White, who uh, General Franks knows, uh, General Franks has been in the Beach Cafe for a burger, uh, I think a bacon cheeseburger. Maybe we don't tell Kathy about that, but it, it's a good burger, man. And, yeah. um, they, yeah, they, they took over and I felt very sad, but it was really, I don't want to call it a calling because I don't want to make it, you know, more than, more than it was, but I really felt like it was a, it was a calling to help Mr. Fisher because he was doing this all single handedly, you know, him and his secretary, uh, Donna, Donna, poor Donna, you know, uh, there'd be the bombing and the Kobar towers or the bombing in the Beirut uh, Marine barracks. And there'd be uh, an airplane crash at Pope Air Force Base where those 23 paratroopers were killed. And he would call me up and say, you need to go to the airport. I have these checks and you go down there and you meet the general and you give them these checks right now for me. I get chills thinking about it because we could have just FedExed them, right? We could have just FedExed them, but he gassed up his G4, you know, his $40 million aircraft and put my little rear end in the seat and said, you go down and you tell these people that we love them and we're so sorry for their loss. He didn't know how to help. He just thought, if I can help financially and just let them know that we care about them, that would, that would mean something to them. And boy, oh boy, did it ever. Um, I remember flying down and General Shelton, who was the three-star general, he later became chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and one of my great, great friends and mentors. <clears throat> but he was six foot seven, you know, a Delta Rangers, Green Beret, Special Forces. And he ran Fort Bragg. <clears throat> and he said to me, he goes, you could have just... Uh, mailed these. And I said, no, I couldn't have. Mr. Fisher wanted me to look you in the eye and to tell you how sorry he was for your loss. And this was the way he did things. And it was amazing to watch him, Delise, you know, operate as a true philanthropist in the, in the best sense of the word. And he would do these things. It would just blow you away. You know, he was, he, he heard that the military had 9% of the military on food stamps. And, you know, some of that is because people in a certain pay grade, you know, really strategically or financially shouldn't have seven kids, right? But that's just not the way how life works. So they'd have seven kids, they'd be a sergeant in the Marine Corps, and they'd be on food stamps because they couldn't afford to feed their children. So he would pick up the phone and he'd call the president of the United States and scream at him. You know, Bill Clinton, he'd say, you know, I won't tell you what he said, but he cursed him out screamed at him, said, you better fix this. And in the meantime, he called the Secretary of Defense and said, I'm going to write you a check for $85 million so you can give these people money so they don't have to be on food stamps. You know, he was so mad that a sergeant would have to go take out a food stamp sticker at a store uh, who's willing to die and serve our country and protect Mr. Fisher's freedom and our freedom. So, this guy was amazing. I wish I, I wish we could talk more about him than about me because I love talking about Mr. Fisher. He was so inspirational. And I, I want more people to know his story because it's one of the greatest American uh, philanthropy stories that's ever been written. And it's not been written because he told me, don't ever write a book about me. <laughs> so I didn't. It is a wonderful story, and, it, and it's a wonderful um, and great testament to his character 
And I, in some of the research I've done on character, um, there is a, a gentleman named Dr. Jim Lair at the Center for Human Performance, and his research um, shares that there are two sides to our character. There's a kind of our, the side of our character that uh, gives us the time management and and the want to to climb the ladder, and but unless you have the integrity and honesty and the true caring about people it's a very empty a very empty person that you are as he says uh, the type that would climb over dead bodies to get to the top but unless you have that human connection and that human side of your character that you truly care about people it's uh, truly a very very important part of uh, being a great leader so right now would be a good time for us to pause for our sponsor message for just a moment. Hello, this is Jay Zacharias with the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum, and I would like to tell you about one of our partner sponsors. His name is Justin Krieger, and he has worked as an independent insurance agent at Krieger Insurance Agency in his hometown of Hobart, Oklahoma, since 1999. Justin is honored to help with the annual Celebration of Freedom event and has been a board member for the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum for many years. He is also a fifth-generation farmer and rancher in Kiowa County, where cattle, crops, and even insurance is sold with a handshake. Give him a call at 580-726-3076 or come by the office if you would like to speak with Justin Krieger or Kathy Lankford about insurance. We are thankful to our customers and friends who have supported us through the years. Again, Justin would like to say how honored he is to live in such a great country and how proud he is to help sponsor these podcasts. Please enjoy the rest of this podcast experience from your friends at Krieger Insurance Agency. And now, Bill, let's uh, let's look at uh, beyond Mr. Fisher. Um, how long with you with Mr. Fisher? What a wonderful opportunity and wonderful mentor he was. And can you kind of share your uh, journey past past that? Or was there anything else you wanted to share about the opportunities that you had there? Yeah, no, I think that was a great, um, a great uh, learning, uh, learning course that no one could ever afford to pay for or find in their life, right? It just, uh, I thank God uh, that I met uh, Mr. Fisher all every day of my life. Uh, and it allowed me to understand some of the principles as you spoke about character and integrity and uh, that you only had your name at the end of the day, you do something stupid, you lose your name. That's all you've got. Even if you have, you know, a lot of money or a lot of prestige or some title, if you don't have your name intact at the end of the day, uh, you have nothing. And he used to also uh, quote the philosopher Cahill Gibran to me all the time. He said, he said, you know, Gibran said, he who gives of material things gives nothing. He who gives of himself gives all. And so I kind of curse him from time to time with this because I'm always wanting to give of myself to folks. And sometimes that's to the detriment of my, my business or our family time or whatever that is. But I still talk to surviving spouses today actually is 
an anniversary of Fred Picorni. Uh, I spoke to his wife and daughter this morning. They are in Seattle. Uh, he was killed in Nazaria on March 23rd, 2003, with uh, 17 other Marines. And I talked to Shelly and Taylor <clears throat> um, every every anniversary, every Father's Day, um, and on holidays because I have grown to love this beautiful family that uh, gave their husband and father to our country for our freedom. And that's how Fisher kind of lives through me um, and how I've invited that amazing experience into my life. But he also was a great businessman and he taught me, um, as a friend of mine says with the B, uh, $2.5 billion for private equity and uh, companies. And some people might know some of them, some people might not, but uh, we arranged to buy the vitamin shop, which is a great um, a great store out there, which uh, my old uh, mentor used to say, you know, mama's not around anymore. You have to eat your vitamins. So vitamin shop turned into a great experience for me. We raised uh, all the money that it took to, to uh, bring vitamin shop to a place where we could sell it to a great company called Bear Stearns. Um, and that was a major deal. And then I worked very closely with uh, Eric Prince um, and his group, uh, to sell Blackwater, which was a very um, influential and successful global um, protection services and security company. Um, a lot of experiences there, too, in Iraq with General Franks and, and uh, others. And there was some controversy to that, too. But I thought, here's a, here's a man, Eric Prince, who, you know, could have done anything he wanted in life. He was the son of a billionaire who invented the uh, intermittent uh, windshield wipers, right? The, yeah. And uh, his sister, very famous, she was just President Trump's Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. And Eric went off to become a naval SEAL. And I love watching that career too, right? He could have been a playboy or been a businessman. and Instead, he goes to the BUDS training, which is not fun, Um a lot of underwater breathing in a lot of Pacific Ocean water to become a Navy SEAL. And they started this company. So we were able to help sell Blackwater to the right uh, buyers. A great family uh, called the Bass family in Texas. And Red McCombs is one of the great patriots in Texas. Big car dealership guy. Um, so I've, I've been involved in some very interesting uh, business, uh, niche business sales and purchases and mergers and acquisitions over the years. And we even raised a few billion dollars to uh, help buy some very significant signature properties in New York, like the Chrysler building uh, was part of buying and selling that at one point in my life. And uh, we really took that to a whole new level when I decided to move to this great state of Georgia, where I'm speaking to you now. My, uh, my husband, Brian, is from here. And uh, we wanted to be closer to his family when my parents passed away. And so we moved here. We moved our businesses. We moved our houses. We sold our property in Southampton and our townhouse in New York and moved my employees here. And it's been a great experience. And that might lead us into talking about some of the things we're doing now, like the uh, Buckhead City Committee. Oh, thank you. That would be great. Um I wanted to ask it, and I want to get to that real quickly. I wanted to ask your connection with General Franks. Was that when you visited troops in Iraq and Af Afghanistan? 
I just wanted to ask that question real quickly. Oh, yeah. If you forgive me, I, I mean, I would love to talk about all of that. I could do that for an hour too, but to, to keep it's very it quick. Briefly. Yeah, to keep it quick is General Franks was so sweet. Listen, you know, he's fighting a war. He's a war fighting general. Uh, but he knew very well that keeping up morale was very important for the troops. And there were folks out there willing to to participate in thanking the troops and flying into a war zone and doing that. And a great friend of General Franks, Marty Edelman, who's one of my great mentors and amazing human beings in this world, um, allowed me to help him organize this trip with uh, Vanity Fair and USO. And there were some amazing people. Robert De Niro, Kid Rock, um, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, as we call them, some seven-footers from the NBA, <clears throat> and Rebecca and John Stamos, when they were really at the top of their uh, careers and happiness as a married couple, it was wonderful. They went over. We visited 143,000 troops. Uh, we had concerts. Uh, Gary Sinise was there, who's a great patriot and who loves General Franks. And it was life-changing because I still stay in touch with those people today. Some of the troops that we met re remind us of how that lifted up their morale and uh, kept their fight on in them to make Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, Afghanistan better places. Um, it also got me in touch with Mark Wahlberg, who uh, went to Afghanistan because of that and visited troops on Christmas and that was an amazing experience. So I, I will always remember General Franks for so many things, but his leadership style, his integrity. I mean, he was so, he was actually very fun too. Like he's got a great sense of humor. He could be serious and drop the right kind of bomb on your head if you're a bad guy. But he could also tell you the funniest joke and have a wonderful quality time with you while juggling all of that. I was so impressed with that. He is a true, true leader and someone the country really would benefit knowing more about. Um, and I loved our experience with him and Kathy and always grateful for it. Thank you so much. And I, I have to tell you, as, as you can imagine, I feel very honored to be able to work for General Franks and have this opportunity. And opportunities, as we know, are are great. And, and we take advantage of the opportunities. And I think it's amazing that your work at the restaurant was what networked you with so many people. You were able to network with so many great, um, notable people that is actually what helped you uh, to, to do what you did with Mr. Fisher and, um, and has kind of launched you into the, all the things you did after that, which is are just a, a, an unbelievable long list of accomplishments. We have covered so many of our core principles of leadership that we um, that we talk about in our leadership program, the caring and the communication and the common vision, especially the character is such an important part. And so, yes, please. Um, and I and I took you off the subject, and I apologize. But I, yes, I want you to please. Um, we'll wrap up our podcast with your what you're doing now with Bucket. That would be really great. Yeah, well, I, I was thank you, Elise, and I. I really feel like uh, General Frank <laughs> General Franks is here with me right now, kind of channeling 
this part of the conversation because again, it's not about me or us, and it's uh, it's a very interesting balance. And Fisher is in there too, kind of around my right shoulder and in my ear. Is we live in Atlanta. We moved here to experience this great community called Buckhead. It's like the Beverly Hills of the South, right? Um, but you know, Beverly Hills left uh, Los Angeles and created its own city for a number of different reasons way back, and they're doing great. And there are many cities in Georgia that have uh, come out of counties that uh, had unincorporated areas in them. So folks wanted government closer to them and had more control and a little more efficiency. You know, you call 311 and you'd like to have somebody pick up the phone and respond to you. You call 911, you'd like to have an ambulance or a police car within a few minutes, not an hour. And we noticed a lot of things happening in Atlanta with these out of control Policies and unfortunately, Atlanta is very big and it's very corrupt. Um, there's procurement problems, bribery charges, front page of the paper every day in the last couple of weeks of past city hall officials under federal indictment, mayors, uh, prior mayors with many of their commissioners in jail or under indictment. And you start to think, wait a minute, um, Buckhead is funding, you know, a lot of the taxes of Atlanta, and it's not a good return on investment. It's quite simple. You know, folks have said maybe it's uh, rich white people want to get away from the crime in Atlanta, and it's just not true. Uh, and for folks who know me, they know that that would never be part of an argument we would make, uh, let alone be the facts of the case. So we've actually formed a group. It's called the Buckhead City Committee. We've raised almost $2 million. Uh, we have uh, legislation in the Georgia legislature, which most likely will be passed in this upcoming session next year, so 2023, that would put a vote on Buckhead becoming its own city, having its own government, its own police force, its own taxing authority, its own 911 system, et cetera. Uh, and it would still integrate with a lot of things that Atlanta is doing well. There aren't a lot of those things, but there are some things that we would continue. And uh, we're polling at about 72% of the people want this on the ballot. That includes some folks, you know, who would vote no. But it says a lot, you know, about how we've educated folks on the issues. You know, I've taken a lot of personal attacks on this. It's very uncomfortable for me, you know, when you're trying to do some good and they call you a, uh, you know, you're a racist, uh, you're a carpetbagger, you're a lot of things, which, you know, I know I'm not, but uh, this is part of getting in the political game. It's a tough, tough, tough business. I thought the restaurant business was tough. The political business is much tougher. So uh, I'm not a quitter. I've been out in the sun too long. You can't. You can see this right now, Delise, but your listeners can't. But I, I, I'm not. I have some leather skin, so my husband and I are tough with it. Uh, we're going to see it through, and I think it will be on the ballot next year. And Buckhead City will end up being a city in 2023, and we can be very proud of that. You know, creating a city from scratch out of nothing is quite a is quite a challenge and a life experience. Um, and I think Mr. Fisher and General Franks would be proud of us the way we're conducting the campaign uh, with integrity and class and and respect for uh, all points of view. And thank you for that. Yes, I think that's what is is what our country needs. And that is what our leadership program is founded on. 
General Franks believes that all the students sitting in the classrooms around the world today are our next prime ministers, our next governors, our next city leaders, our next presidents of the United States, and that great leaders are developed. They aren't just born knowing how to lead, that leadership is um, is something that we learn through experience and grow through our character and integrity is a big part of it. So thank you. And, and what I'm seeing is, if you don't mind if I comment, is that um, throughout your whole life and career, you've noticed something much greater than yourself, um, something much further beyond your current um, area of activity. And you see problems and you're willing to, to fix it. And I think that came from when this, uh, your friend said, well, let's rent the Waldorf story. And you're going, oh my gosh, that's, that's much bigger than I, I can imagine doing. But you, you did it. And so you see a problem and you figure out how to fix it. And that's what great leaders do is they see what needs to be improved. And, and make better in the world around them, much bigger than themselves. And I commend you for that. And I thank you so much for being part of our podcast. Is there anything that you would like to say to our youth today or our listening audience? In oh, yeah, thank you. I just I want to thank you, Delise, and uh, Colonel Hayes, and uh, Kathy, Tommy, Franks, the whole group, so many of the folks I want um, what you're doing, I think, is very inspirational, and I want to pass this uh, this great message you have around. So let's do that when when this is all done. We have a great following, and we'll push it out. But I I would say this to anybody uh, listening to this that's thinking about doing something that might be hard or challenging is that you put your mind to something. You have the right core principles around you. Uh, it might not get done in the time frame you want, but fight, 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 and work hard and try to advance the ball. Uh, because at the end of the day, this is how these things that we've been talking about today uh, get done in life and uh, through you uh, for his incredible service and sacrifice. It's a great example for all of us uh, and especially for young people who can look to his principles uh, to guide them to be a better person and to have a better world. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate your message and, and I wish you all of the best in your endeavors there at Buckhead. And I know it's a much greater cause than yourself. And thank you for making our world a better place. And all the things that you've done for veterans is just unbelievable. And I, I commend you because they truly do um, make the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. So thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure being with you today. God bless you and the great work you're doing and keep it up. Thank you so much. Thank you again to REI Oklahoma for making this podcast possible. For nearly 40 years, the board, staff, patrons, and supporters of the nonprofit economic development REI Oklahoma are committed to expanding Oklahoma's economic prosperity, earning the reputation of being one of the most comprehensive economic development organizations in the country. Business loans, training workshops, business consulting, and networking opportunities, as well as technical assistance and even commercial business space are made available to Oklahoma entrepreneurs and small businesses. For low and moderate income individuals and families, down payment and or closing cost assistance is offered. Learn more at reiok.org. 
This has been the Four Star Leadership Podcast. Now it's your turn, Four Star listeners. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and let us know what you thought of this episode. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and tune in next month for our next episode that airs every last Friday each month. Go be great.